DXE's top five podcast for the week of January 20, 20th. But we're going to, we're putting this out on the 21st, but uh, we're recording this late into the evening on uh, January 20th. My name is Michael Doyle, and I'm joined as always by Alex Sear. Alex, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be back in the city. And Andrew Crookshank. Andrew, you just did a workout. Uh, have you stopped? Have you stopped perspiring? Yeah, it's uh, it's drying to me now, but my legs are, <laughs> are seizing up. So it's been too long since my last workout. <laughs> Andrew showed up, and he uh, he had just done. What were you doing? What were you running? It was a hard one. It was uh, a shout out to to Ethan Davenport, a coach at U of T, but he was doing uh, a lot of negative split stuff. So it was five hundred starting off slow, and then. Closing out in like 30 seconds for the last 200, and my legs were not ready not for bad. that. <laughs> a kick workout. Oh, yeah, the old good. dog still got it. Good. And yeah. then you immediately poured yourself into uh, onto my sofa. I, I plied you with a beer, and now you're wrecking all of that that positive effort that you put in. Oh, yeah, but I'm comfortable. I mean, besides go. my legs seizing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that we have been on a hiatus. Uh, we foolishly thought we could get away with uh, a little vacation over the holiday break uh, and thinking that, you know, it's December, January, nobody runs, it's nothing's going to happen, and a shitload of things happened. Um, but we're back in the saddle again. We're going to be doing this on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Um, real quick, guys, uh, Alex, 2020, new, new decade, new you. What, uh, what's, uh, what's your big, your big goal for 2020 and beyond for the decade? Uh, I, I, I guess I thought more of like a decade goal. So I'm, I'm 24. So I recognize that this decade is probably going to bring a whole lot of change. So I think, (laughs) you think, (laughs) I think, I think my goal is to settle down. Wow. A good woman who I love, who loves me. Get married, oh. find a house, have children. Um, that and that whole thing swell. until you're 34. Um, and if that doesn't happen, uh, go go under 220 in the marathon. I like it. If that doesn't, <laughs> if that doesn't happen, fuck it. I'm going into training and I'm in an apartment with six dudes, <laughs> and I'm going to run 250 kilometers a week. If and- both happen. That's going to be an awesome decade. Uh, a, uh, what's the is I, a Vegas doubt, marathon? You could go do both in one. The one Vegas shot, marathon, get there married and do the marathon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do you get married before or after, after the marathon? You get you get married after the <laughs> guy. Yeah, you might want to you know enjoy yourself and not have the marathon hanging over your head the <laughs> following day. I just don't want to be the guy to propose at the end of a marathon. Don't be don't <laughs> no, be that guy. No, 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 so no. I I secretly have. Uh, maybe not so secretly have despised that for like, that's like a story that just like, you know, that's the the bullshit story that you see over and over again with running where it's like the, the proposal at the finish line. And it's, I just wouldn't want to carry the ring the whole time. Like, what do you do with the ring? Like thinking about it (laughs) as you're running, like, just like the last thing you need when you're running a marathon is something that to worry about for the entire race. Just put it in your water belt, Alex. (laughs) <laughs> you'll be running the 220 with the with the fuel belt on why do i not think of that uh, so where would i go. put my water yeah there you go in someone else's hand is they're handing it to you at a station 
Uh, Andrew, uh, the next the next nine point nine years, what do you want to see out of? Oh, that's scary to think about. I'm not. I'm older than you are, and I'm not thinking of <laughs> settling Good down. Good for you. Yet. Good for you. I uh, I've st- I've started changing up the style a little bit. Uh, my my girlfriend actually has has bought me some longer longer socks. They're kind of they're nice. above the ankle running socks. Which He's is not a, wearing them right now. Not right now, no. But it's it's a new style. I'm trying it. I I look a little bit more like a high school kid when I do it and I think that leads into my my actual goals I'm I'm sick and tired of of losing to high school kids in races I uh I want to reclaim a little glory maybe it's maybe it's the 2020 comeback year for me finally nice I like it I like it uh yeah you're going for the crew sock I like that (laughs) yeah yeah the crew look is it's good um what is my 2020 and beyond goal um I was going to make some sort of like crack about writing the great, uh, the great, uh, right, uh, running novel, but I have no interest in writing the great running novel. Uh, ooh. um, I, I have something I've been working on for a while and I would like to finish that and then we'll see what comes after that. I actually know what I'm going to do after that too. So this, I'm leaving you with a cliffhanger, but stay tuned. Um, all right. So we've got five good Good topics today, and we're going to start off with a hot topic. I had a topic that I think we've been excited about for a long time that we sort of uh, telescoped and prognosticated about uh, in previous pods. So topic number one, the London Marathon have done it for us. God bless the London Marathon. We're going to get the Kipper versus Kenny throwdown. We're going to get Bekele versus Kipchoge at the 2020 London Marathon. Alex, tell us about why we should be so fucking excited about this. Okay, well, first, you got to give him a proper introduction. I thought you were going to give him, like, the UFC. Once the once the race gets closer, you're going to have to, like, introduce them in their corner. In, yes, sorry. Got, I'll you do have, that You have... On one side, at 37 years old, he is five foot five and weighs 123 pounds. The 10,000 meter and 5,000 meter world record holder, Kenanisa Bikili. And on the other side, he's five foot six, 126 pounds. He's the big one. They call him the goat of distance running, Elliot Kipchoge. It's going to be an amazing race. I think it's incredibly exciting because both oh i didn't say kipchoge's age i guess that was by design we don't know his age but when he's um, 400 years old (laughs) they're probably this is probably their last time racing against each other uh at least on this big of a stage unless they face off at the olympics which would be also in the summer which would be awesome but this is the year of bikili versus kipchoge and these races or this race will decide who in fact is the greatest distance runner of all time they have never um well they've definitely they've never raced in a marathon and um i think i just think i just think it's going to be lights out it's going to bring the best out of both of them so andrew uh it this is an important moment for distance running i think that this is like unlike any race we've had in a long time um but why why is that and how is how has the London Mar- how has the London Marathon unpacked this thus far? Um, can I just say first, Alex, you got me 
very excited there. That the you could be a hype man. I uh, I actually almost <laughs> want to see Kipchoge and Bekele wrestle. Actually, yeah, actually fight. <laughs> just, just yeah. Just who, okay, fight. who'd win it? Who'd quick? Who'd win in a in a wrestle? In a Bekele, fight? Bekele, because Kipchoge is too nice, and Bekele is like a spider monkey. That guy's just gonna go at your face. <laughs> It'd be like hitting two twigs against each other. Yeah, but Bik- or Kipchoge can float. Don't forget. <laughs> oh, the, like the Jedi mind trick. He tricks. can levitate. Yeah, he, he he'll like disable Bekele <laughs> <laughs> with his mind. Um, but yeah, this this race is huge. Uh, obviously, it's. I, I mean, you've got the two. It's going to decide essentially who the the best marathoner of all time is. I think you, you've got Kipchoge on the one side with the the marathon world record of two hundred one thirty nine. Not to mention he's he's being backed by his his one fifty nine, um, the one that was ineligible in in Austria. And then you've got Bekele, who's two hundred one forty one, who's like two seconds behind him. So it's it's going to be duking it out. I think what we want to see is the two of them coming down the final stretch, going sub two hundred one pace, and and just it comes down to the final kick. I think that that's what we want to see. So dream scenario is actually dream scenario is probably like you got sub two hours in London on the line, and they're hammering at each other in that last long. It's a long stretch. It's a few hundred meters to the finish line in london and it's a great vantage point straight stretch and it's like mano a mano they're throwing haymakers it's glorious and which you sell you seldom see in a marathon but it does happen from time to time i think back on um uh uh chicago several years ago uh, had a great race along those lines as well. So even worlds uh, last year with Decisa just kind yeah. of getting into the line, a really good race. Yeah. So I mean, it it can happen. Um, so that would be the dream scenario. What's the what's the nightmare scenario? Well, if here's a nightmare scenario, you have <laughs> they don't even go one two. So Kipchoge has a okay. Say this. Kipchoge has a good day. He goes he goes two oh one flat. Kipchoge has a bad day, he goes 202.30. Bikili has a good day, he goes 201 flat. Bikili has a bad day, he goes like 212. He takes a taxi back to his, <laughs> back D- to his, in his hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And then the crazy thing about this this marathon is you have three Ethiopians chomping at the bit who are not even going to get any media attention, which is crazy because they're that good. You got uh, Garamu, Masaned Garamu, who's a 202.55 guy who could easily get one of those guys if they're not on their, on their, on their A game. You got Shura Kitata, who's 23 years old, 204.49. And then you got Mule Wasihun, the Mule, who's a 203.16 guy. So easily one of those guys could fall to third, fourth, or fifth. And if one of those guys loses, it's probably Bikili. Because I don't think Kipchoge's going much slower than 202. So who's like that? If, if there's odds makers, like this is, okay, this is one of these races, right? Where like you want to see betting lines like you see in the NFL. Like you want to see like where the, where the, the odds makers have placed this. Like I, I, I would only imagine that, um, that Kipchoge has got, you know, he's, he's seen as the one with the advantage right now. Like there's probably like a, I think Kipchoge is like, if you're on the, like he's probably got like a, like a 10 second advantage right now. They're giving him like 10 seconds over Bekele. Um, with like a, you know, under, under two o two, time probably. 
London is not always, it's a fast rate. It's a fast course, but it's not necessarily a world record course, right? So it's not Berlin, um, which is where both men have run incredibly fast in the past. So just preliminary, we're not going to, we're going to do a more fine grain uh, pick them closer to the race. Uh, But you guys are leaning towards, what do you think, who do you think the favorite is? Who do you think should, who do you think should win and will win? I, we kind of talked about, or at least Michael, you were saying this earlier that um, it does, it does feel like Bekele has a little bit more to prove. He's a little feistier. He's, Kipchoge's because of the sub two and and all that he's he's kind of lauded as the the top dog he's he's the greatest of all time and I think Bekele you know being the five k and ten k record holder he he sees himself as the the greatest of all time and so I I think if he's on on the day he might he might take it at the line Bekele yeah I I think but I also think he has a lot there's a lot more variables involved with Bekele where I feel like Kipchoge's a lot more consistent so it it comes down to the day I'm going with Kipchoge and my reasoning is this say you go to a new town and you want to get a burrito and you're downtown and you see a Chipotle and you see a hole in the wall burrito place and you know that Chipotle is really really good but the hole in the wall might be better and it also might be worse you're still going to go to Chipotle because you know Kipchoge is my Chipotle. He's lights out going to be good. There's a slight chance that Bikili shows up and he's on another level. So Bikili is either like you're you're like uh, the secret discovery, the like the the like everyone knows that's the awesome place to go, or he's like spray dump waiting to happen. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't even be a like. It's a it's a scenario that if Bikili wins, then people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, well of course," because he's got that much of a 10k speed. But if he loses, it's everyone is going to be well. Of course, he's not consistent, and he can only you know put a good performance up every once in a while. So I've seen some uh, I've seen some photos. I've seen some photos of Bikili in December. Uh, you know. When when everyone when no one's paying attention and Bekele's like he's out on the country roads he's out on the roads outside of Addis he's doing the work looking fit looking, looking fit. better better than the Rudisha photos I and I I've got a little intel about Bekele about his uh, methods and Bekele's a guy who he's got a lot of, he's a lot got a lot going on he's got a hotel he's got a he's got a lot of businesses um, he's a busy man he got he got distracted from time to time in the past. Didn't put in as much work for the marathon as, as he, you know, the track was a little easier because he's a, spec, a rare specimen. couple weeks, he'd peak up and he'd crush everyone. Couldn't do that with the marathon. It's longer builds. He's learned his lesson. Doesn't want to embarrass himself. He's doing the work right now. I don't know, man. I think Bekele's, he's dangerous. I'm taking Bekele for the win right now. In part because... Screw you, Chipotle. Yeah, exactly. I'm... <laughs> I'm tired of Chipotle. <laughs> no, I love, I mean, like Kipchoge has changed the sport in a really great way and has been fun to talk about for a long time and is probably, I think, still going to go down as the greatest of all time just because of his record. But anyway, we shall see. Another thing to keep an eye out for before we before we move on to the next topic, uh, look at their feet at the start line. Mm. Who's going to be wearing what? Is it going to be Kipchoge and the Alpha Fly? 
and uh, and 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 uh, Bekele wearing like the mass market next percent, the new colorway, or is it going to be both of them on equal playing field? We'll see. Mm. All right. Next topic. Speaking of shoes, uh, Andrew, uh, World Athletics, the the uh, the geniuses in Monaco, formerly known as the IAAF, are looking at banning what? It is the Nike Vaporflies and um, and all other and yeah, all associated. So any of those. Pink, green, colorful shoes with the strange kind of points at the end, um, and the carbon fiber plates. There, um, it hasn't been decided yet, but but the World Athletics is mulling over the idea of banning these shoes from competition. Um, it sounds like they're going to place some rules around limiting the thickness of the midsoles and the use of a carbon plate in the shoe. Um, unfortunately though, these shoes have been on the feet of pretty much every world record on the road over the last like two, three years. I think they launched in 2017 was when the Vaporflies were first released. So, um, although they are saying that, uh, world athletics says that a moratorium will stand on all the world records set with these shoes. So Alex, this is sort of like with major league baseball when there's like the steroid era and there's like these, Asterixes. Uh, I don't know what the plural of asterix is. Asterices? Asterices. I, I'm making this up. I don't know. Uh, next to all these records, you know, Barry Bonds' home run record and so on and so forth. And it kind of cre- like puts this like pall all over the sport. Uh, is it, What's your take on this? How do you feel about this? Like, are they going to actually do this? Is this a good idea? A bad idea? Eh, I don't know. I think it's easier in theory to ban the shoes than it is to actually go and execute it. Like if you ban the shoes, what happens in a road race? And I don't know this in the New York marathon. Will the New York marathon enforce those rules? Like, are you not allowed to go to the New York marathon and wear any type of, of Nike doper shoes? Let's call them. What about (laughs) like smaller marathons? Like for example, if you're in, in, and like somewhere in mid the uh, mid American city, like if you're running like Philly in next November, yeah, or, or Hamilton in Canada, or what, whatever sure. it is, right? Are you going to are you going to enforce that for everyone or just for people of a certain speed? Like, go to a local road race, and you'll realize, notice that it's not just the super elites who are wearing those shoes; they're incredibly popular. So you can't go and like ban the 160 runners out of the 400 runners at the race who are wearing those shoes. I think it's going to be a a logistical nightmare if they try it. And then the other thing is, what do you do with the other companies who are coming up with all those other prototypes? I think we look back at, at hockey, if you follow hockey at all, Easton, um, came out with the Synergy in like the early 2000 or late. That's a stick you're talking about. A hockey stick. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and it was really cool because it was the first graphite or composite one-piece hockey stick. And then what happened was other companies came out with better sticks and better sticks, and it got players to shoot harder and shoot harder. And then the game got more interesting. And I think we're right at the edge of that. Saucony has a pair um, in the making. New yep. Balance has a pair in the making. 
Brooks, I think. Yeah, you, you we mentioned. saw a pair of we saw a pair on uh, Shadrick Biwat's feet at in uh, in Houston, which we'll talk about in a second. Houston, but like that's just going to be so interesting, and we we are very very close to that, and and also what I'm thinking is it's not it's not like it's going to be a wild west race to the the better and better shoe until there's no end point. Like we have the Alpha Fly. That's coming out, and I think that's rumored to be like a seven or eight percent increase. But it's not like the more carbon and the more foam you stack on a shoe, the faster it gets. I think Jared Ward touched on that before the New York City Marathon. At one point, there's a point of diminishing returns, and the shoe is too heavy. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is going to be for companies to find that sweet spot. And I think that's like a very cool challenge to get to. And once it's found, it's what else can you tweak? And I don't know. I think it would really, really kill a lot of interest. And we're, we're, right at the edge of something really cool. I kind of can't believe they're doing this. Like <clears throat> toothpaste out of the tube guys, like you should have done this two years ago or, or whatever. Like it's too late. It's too late. It also reveals how little power world athletics actually has over the sport because they didn't even know the shoe was coming when Nike was developing it. And then Nike just was like, yeah, you know what guys? Fuck you. Well, guess what we're doing? We're making this whole new shoe and we're launching it and we're doing it on a racetrack and it's going to be super cool and everyone's going to be into it. And thousands of people are going to buy this shoe. And we're just telling you about this now. Oh, by the way, we ran all these events with this shoe in secret and you didn't even know and got all these great results and did all this sort of beta testing in the Olympics and us trials and all this sort of thing. So yeah, Although like, I do, I do wonder about the Alpha Fly. I wonder if, like, maybe that's the. I think that's the shoe they're going to target. They're going to target this shoe, and they're going to be like, "This is, this is a too far afield. This is like crossing a line." Um, and I wonder if they, if I were World Athletics, if I were this working group, this group that's researching this and studying this, and it's going to apparently re, uh, release a uh, a report at the end of this month, at the end of January, with their findings and their recommendations, um, which will lead to some sort of restriction. If they were smart, they would say, we're cool with everything up to the next percent and then stopping at that line. That's the hard line. Um, and they'll define that by like whatever the next percent's sole thickness is. And the tricky thing is going to be the carbon plate. There, there's The rumor is, is that they're going to ban the carbon plate. So... I uh, I wouldn't mind hearing your your conspiracy theory again if you want to drop that on us. Oh yeah, okay. So I was saying this earlier. This is uh, uh, before we started recording. Uh, this is like conspiracy corner here. Um, so Saucony has renounced they're coming out with a shoe. It's got a carbon plate and PBAX, which is the foam material that that creates the like energy return. And it's going to be a high stack height for the midsole. Uh, New Balance has got one too coming out they actually have two shoes coming out they got another one coming out in fall um and they and then adidas has got a shoe we've saw it all over the place i think it, it was in new york but they it was in houston last weekend as well and um you know obviously there's the nike shoes and the new iterations of the shoe uh who am i forgetting here brooks has got a shoe uh, uh doesn't hoka have one too? hoka's already got two carbon plated shoes what's the only company that has got a new shoe that does not have a carbon plate. And what's the only shoe manufacturer that sponsors 
World Athletics. You said all the companies, Michael. ASICs. What? ASICs are the only company that both sponsor World Athletics, formerly known as IAAF, as a official partner, um, and also have come up with a new shoe that's like a prototype shoe that they've not fully launched yet that does not, that has like enhancements for their elite athletes, but does not apparently have a carbon plate in it. So that leaves me to wonder, hmm, is there something going on here? Conspiracy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's move on. Enough of the shoes for today. Oh, the shoes. See, it's it's like it's the most interesting thing in the sport. And... And of course, we're trying to kill it like a bunch of the a bunch of idiots that we are. <laughs> All right, next topic. Topic number three: the Houston Marathon produced, especially for us Canadians. And apologies to our American friends who are listening now, because we're going to get a probably pretty Canadian centric here. Although we can talk a little bit about some of the American performances as well, and. So the Houston Marathon produced not one, but two Canadian records. Alex, tell us a little bit about the madness in Houston. All right. I actually have a top three here because there are two records, but also one performance that we have to mention. So I think my, my bronze medal for this, mar- this, this event goes to uh, Natasha Wodak. She broke the Canadian half marathon record by a margin of around 20 Second, she ran 109.41. So the first Canadian woman to ever break 70. Um, you give her the bronze I medal? Her, I give her the bronze wow, because... You're, wow. you're tough. It was... Oh. Canadian record, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Make a it's, case for your silver. Go on. You got a soft spot for someone, I think. I do have a soft spot for someone. I talked to him last year, and he struck me as just a hard worker and an honest guy, and he didn't have the race that he wanted in Toronto. He debuted in the marathon, ran a 216, which obviously is a great time, but I thought he had much faster in him, and I still think he has much faster in him. And then he proved that in Houston. Rory Linkletter gets my silver medal, 61-43, second fastest half marathon in Canadian history for men. And I think the reason I'm giving him silver over uh, Wodak is I think the men's record was a bit stronger in Canada than the women's record. Um, And uh, obviously the the men's record is still 61, I think 28 by Jeff Schiebler, um, which is standing to be probably 10, 15 years old now. Yeah, 1999. It might be 99. 20 years. Okay. And anyway, uh, big, uh, big PB. This is, it's, pretty much his half marathon debut he had run a half marathon but not in this type of fitness and it was a long time ago so congrats to rory and obviously my gold medal goes to melindy elmore who obliterated the women's marathon record in canada 224 50 i think was her official time previous records with 226 56 was by rachel cliff uh, melindy a bit of her backstory she was an olympian in 2004 1500 meter runner 2004 that was a while ago that was i was nine that was that was 16 years ago uh i was not nine michael was uh, 36 i was i was was 80 no i I was 24 um (laughs) you were my age when melindy made the olympics michael was my age oh yes so and then better times cycles cycles pass she 
narrowly misses a spot in 2012 for the London team. Um, doesn't make it in 2008. Doesn't make it in 2016. And now she's back. Now the fastest uh, female marathoner in Canadian history. She doesn't have a secure place yet for the Canadian Olympic team. Oh, come but on. As, as soon as, as Athletics Canada meets, chances are they're going to pick her. She ran a phenomenal race. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that that's that's my highlight, far and away. So distance running in Canada, in particular the on the women's side, has been like just absolutely bananas, Andrew, in the last uh, six months, uh, less than six months, a few months. Um, Crazy things are happening. Uh, I think we kind of we foolishly thought that all the slots for the Olympic team were going to get were being locked up. Um, Melinda Elmore was the the big wild card because she was supposed to run in Toronto in the fall, but she had a hamstring injury, so she had to push it um, to Houston. Obviously, <laughs> obviously she's fit, and obviously she's incredibly talented, and obviously she is like methodically plan this one out um kind of where does that leave us now in terms of the olympic picture yeah we've gone from from often barely being able to field uh, distance teams at the the olympics and, and world championships to suddenly having almost too many runners um so yeah you have uh melindy elmore obviously who just set the the canadian record by two minutes and and blew it out of the water um and she she beat Rachel Cliff's record, which which we got to mention. You got to feel a little bad for Rachel Cliff. She lost two Canadian records in one day: the half and the full marathon. And, and she was running the half. Yeah, exactly. So she ran well in the half too. Yeah, but that's gotta that's gotta sting a little bit. Yeah. Um. So she's obviously still in contention because she has the the marathon standard. She's she's run a two twenty six. So so Cliff is technically the second fastest uh, Canadian marathoner. Um, and then you have Dana Pitoreski who, who solidified her spot by hitting Olympic standard and winning the trials at the Toronto waterfront marathon in the fall. Um, and then the last one who, who right now is looking like the candidate that might get bumped is Lindsay Tessier, who had a top 10 finish at the, the world athletics championships in the, the marathon there. So it's, it's still up for debate. Nothing's set in stone, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, I, an embarrassment of riches all of a sudden in Canadian distance running. Uh, Melanie Elmore is 39? Yes, uh, I believe she's turning 40 this year. And, I mean, so that's a it's a really interesting scenario with her, with her because she's sort of, like, hung around all this time and, like, obviously top-level talent, Olympic talent, uh, but at a very different distance at 1,500 meters, which also kind of flips the script on the way we have like framed the distance running narrative is like distance running is being like kind of apart from the track in many respects and that they didn't top level track talent didn't necessarily translate into top level distance running talent. And she's kind of proving that wrong, at least anecdotally. So yeah, I, that's a, that's a crazy, crazy time. And I, what I hope is that that inspires a, movement of young athletes that see that and think to themselves like okay i'm gonna go after a 224 i'm gonna go after a 222 i'm gonna go i'm gonna see how close to 220 i can get uh and see if we can kind of get that next breakthrough over the next say five seven years as we go into the next couple olympic cycles we'll see 
Yeah, and you've got to give credit to these women. Like the trend right now seems to be women in their, <clears throat> excuse me, women in their late 30s, early 40s. A lot of them have kids. A lot of them have other jobs. Um, Tessier is a teacher, right? Yep. So, um, and here they are just, just crushing it on the world scene. How empowering is that for like a 25, 26 year old woman or man right now who's on the cutting edge of elite and thinking, you know, Maybe I'm running out of time. Whereas if you really want it, you may actually have another 12, 13, 14 years to yeah, practice. Stay focused and, and bear down. And, yeah, yeah, if you love it. And on the men's side, uh, quickly, Alex, I mean, obviously you touched on uh, Rory Linkletter's performance. That hints at a sub-210 marathon. I mean, I know that I've always been a strong uh, uh, arguer that the half marathon and the marathon are very different. Um that half marathon is closer to a 10 K than it is a marathon. And that, um, doesn't necessarily translate, but that bodes well, I think for, for Rory, I'd be curious to see which, which marathon he's going to do a spring marathon. He has to, if he wants to qualify for the Olympics, which I'm sure he does. So we'll see him in Rotterdam or Prague or one of these races and see what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing with Rory, right? It may not be next year that he hits that sub two ten marathon. It may take a while. I mean, Jeff Schiebler himself, the, the, the half marathon record holder never went sub two ten. But no. if Rory sticks with it and loves it, he has all the time in the world to go under two ten. And what after now that Trevor Hoffbauer has gone there, you know, we know we can, we can put another man on the moon pretty soon. Yeah. And lost in all this is Cam Levins who ran really well in the half in Houston. Mm. He ran one Oh two, I believe. I think Levins, maybe I'm wrong here. I think he PB by one second or he <laughs> ran right around his personal best. So, yeah, so that also that, bodes super well for Levins. That's good for him. And, yeah. and like, he'll also be lining up to run a, a spring marathon as well. And mm. yeah, I think he's planning on doing Rotterdam. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's going to be a stacked race this year. There's going to be so many athletes that are going to be in Rotterdam mm. trying to, trying to get that Olympic qualifying time. Um, and so that'll be exciting. It'd be really exciting to see him and Rory, uh, both Hoka athletes. Oh yeah. Running side by side in Rotterdam. Maybe that'd be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And maybe a, a, a mix of other athletes as well. So I, I, it'd be great if we sent, wouldn't it be great if we sent three and three to the Olympic marathon for Canada? It's never happened yeah. before. Yeah. No. Yeah, and that could it could very well happen, and we have the talent for it, so it could very well happen. Uh, final thoughts. Um, so John Lafranco and I did a winners and losers pod that I'm going to post imminently uh, for the the Houston Marathon. We did it last Lock night. Your doors. And uh, <laughs> and uh, one thing that John mentioned, and I don't think it's going to happen, but like, wouldn't it be fun if Natasha Wodak decided to go run a a marathon? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. not this year. There are too many good people. I don't want to see any of these people get left home. <laughs> wait for, wait to, wait till 2024, Natasha. I, I want to yeah. see like, I just want to see like an absolute series of throw down races this spring where like, I want to, I want to see like Tessier. I, I, I don't think she's going to do a marathon in the spring, just like knowing her. Um, but she may feel forced to, I don't know. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see her it'd be really interesting to see her in like a 10 K or a half marathon and Dana Pitoreski's in that race and see what happens there. Mm -hmm. Like I know that Dana's got that spot locked, mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to see that then like, this is what we're like, this is what we want in this sport. We want these like these juicy narratives and these talking points and these 
debates uh, that arise out of out of performances and out of competition and out of these scenarios and what ifs and so on and so forth. So like, I'm excited. I'm excited to see some of these things emerge. You know, where it's like these two people, someone who's on the outside looking in, and someone who's got a lock spot but isn't looking, but is looking kind of vulnerable. Um, racing each other and the debate that will rage on around that that's part of what sport's about right so all right moving on to our fourth topic galen rupp oh galen rupp you remember galen rupp you forgot well. about galen well. rupp. uh top american distance runner uh olympian medalist Controversial athlete coached formerly by everyone's least favorite coach, Alberto Salazar. He has moved on to a new coach, a new program, a new situation. Andrew, tell us a little bit about what Galen Rupp is up to. Yeah, so apparently Galen Rupp sent an email kind of out of the blue to Mike Smith, who's the coach of the Northern Arizona University um, in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, they have a great reputation. They, I believe their men's team finished second at NCAAs in cross country mm-hmm. in 2019, but won it 2017-2018, I think. Yep. Um, and, and Rupp just sent him an email, introduced himself, and said, hey, I would love to, to start training with you. And, and I guess gave him a little bit more context about the situation. Um, apparently, Smith went back and forth on it. He, he really didn't want to accept Rupp as a, an athlete because he, he was a little wary of the controversy and, and wasn't sure about the whole situation. Um, but finally, he decided to take him on and, and has said since then that Rupp is, is the most committed athlete and person he's, he's ever encountered. Um, and, and he keeps claiming that, you know, the media's painted Rupp as a villain and that people need to see the full picture, the full Rupp. But the problem is we, we haven't been able to see that because he mm. hasn't really spoken to the, the, about the Salazar thing at all. He's, he's been pretty minimal in the media since then. Yeah. Alex, what's your take on that? Like, I think that um, Andrew's hitting on a, a really important point there, which is, okay. Yeah. It's all well and good to say, like, you don't know the real man. He's, he's a, He's, there's more to him than that, and he's been, you know, he's been he's been painted with uh, the villain brush. But I don't know, like we have not heard anything from Galen Rupp about the situation. Yeah, uh, well, if you want to know, like we want to see the real man. That's that's my take on it. And really, if 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 he wants to be seen, he hasn't picked a better coach. Mike Smith. If if any of you have a Flow Pro account, is like the guy who's in a few features, like the Hollywood-looking guy. He's got a really deep voice. Like you don't forget him. He's kind of the media maven. Like the 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 he's the featured headliner in all these Flow Pro videos. He's like a movie star. And I think it's only a matter of time before he kind of gets rupping on one of these things. And hopefully Rupp can kind of develop a bit of personality through that. Like, I'm thinking it's possible that in the time that Rupp was with Salazar, he felt like he had no place to speak. Maybe this is good for him. Maybe this allows him to have a bit more fun and kind of lets him let loose a little bit. The funny thing with their dynamic is uh, Rupp is staying in Portland and Mike Smith is in Arizona. So, you know, it's not going to be that um they're not going to be that close in proximity which i guess is kind of interesting um but i'm 
I don't know. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. The thing too is is you got to keep in mind that Mike Smith has a lot to lose, right? He's a university coach. He's under contract with Northern Arizona. The men's team, I think they won in 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 2018 and 2019, or sorry, 2017, 2018, and this year they were second at NCAA's. So you know, he did tell what did, what is it? He told Galen if something comes out, I am gone, which I think is a good move. But um, I hope it works out because if Rupp is indeed clean, Mike Smith has a lot to lose, and I hope he doesn't lose it because I'm a fan. Lest we forget that Galen Rupp was coached by Alberto Salazar since he was in high school, and that by many accounts he was sort of Salazar's number one boy, the guy he focused on above and beyond anybody else, uh, his special athlete, and that there are allegations that, you know, Salazar's various blurring of the lines methods were, in, in some respects, entirely for Galen Rupp. And, you know, like when we're talking about the androgen gel and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So the thing that bothers me about all of this is that Galen Rupp has never, uh, has never had to answer for any of these allegations. Um, and has never volunteered to talk about it and be transparent about it, and is kind of allowing this to, or hoping that this will just all get swept under the rug, which it's being. It's being swept under the rug. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the whole Salazar thing is just kind of evaporating and disappearing, and he's just going to... Salazar is going to go away and take his ban and there's going to be no investigation and no further scrutiny of Nike or any of these other athletes or the whole program and the whole situation. So we may never know the full truth of what happened there. And I think that's uh, pretty disgusting. And yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how Galen Rupp does at the, uh, he's going to run the trials, right? Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see how he does. We'll see if he's uh, embraced. I mean, there's um, Americans love like a like a, a turning of the page and a in a uh, a changing of the narrative and uh, a redemption story. And Galen Rupp, I'm sure Nike will start start spinning the the redemption story, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that goes. Speaking of redemption stories, speaking of Nike, speaking of old. Athletes of Alberto Salazar, our last story of the day, Mo Farah. Alex, tell us a little bit about why we're talking about Mo Farah again, still. So WADA is after Mo for uh, his drug samples for the last few years, and UK, um, UK Athletics is refusing to release those samples without, and I quote, credible evidence. So I'm not sure what that's all about. To me, it seems like they're making a big deal out of it because they want to hide something. Um, but I'm not sure. But that does raise uh, some questions and controversy just a few months before the Olympics where Mo is supposed to try to defend his crown in the 10K for Right, he's, for moved, he's moved back from the marathon mm-hmm. to the track. Yeah, he realized the big, the big boys he would have to slay. And thought, ah, no, 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 I'm going back to 10K. So, Andrew, um, just unpack for us a little bit more about why why everyone's so like worked up about these samples and testing these samples. And um, cause the, the argument from the, 
the UK anti-doping folks is a bit of a peculiar one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to to clarify, it's not uh, UK athletics. It's it's uh, the United Kingdom anti-doping oh. um, association. Who's who? Kinda. They have yeah, they have Mofera's urine and blood samples. Um, and Wada Wada announced a probe into athletes who who trained under Alberto Salazar and are are asking the UK AD to to release these samples. But um, the chief executive Nicole Sapstead is saying no way. She's saying she's going to block any release of the samples. The samples were collected by them, and they belong to them. Um, and she said, yeah, without credible evidence, they, they won't release them to WADA, which which begs a lot of questions, like, like why not cooperate? Um, and according to Sapstead, it's because um, she's worried about the samples degrading. Um, they're hoping to keep them for, like, 10 years and if you test them earlier, then the samples will degrade and they can't use them again. So they want to hold on to them until technology improves enough that they can do a more thorough search, which all sounds a little bit like BS when, when this is an issue right now and they're, they're withholding them. And doesn't that, isn't that like, it's not helping Mo Farah, if Mo Farah is indeed a, a, pure as the driven snow athlete and has done nothing wrong over the years doesn't that doesn't isn't this sort of uh make him uh implicate him uh you know by by default by suggesting like no we want to hold on to this these samples because the technology as it stands right now is not sufficient enough to bust this athlete so we're gonna like we're gonna wait ten years and then we're gonna, you know, prove that he's been cheating. Uh, he he was cheating back in the day and strip him of medals and create a scenario like we've seen in the last few years where retroactively we're canceling athletes and uh, handing their medals over to other athletes and it sort of gets lost in time who actually won these events. Um, yeah, it's just a very strange scenario to me. It's what do they know something that we don't know. Is there a suspicion that we're not unaware of? I don't know. Um, it, yeah, it certainly sounds like they're they're protecting old Sir Mo. Um, and it, it does seem strange to me that that Wada. I, sorry, I didn't clarify before. For those who don't know, it's the the World Anti Doping uh, Association um, agency. Agency. Thank I think, you. Alex. I, I think. <laughs> it's one of those two, yeah. Um, how they, they don't strike have, me as an agency. Yeah, yeah I could see agency. Uh, well, how they like it, it just seems strange that these individual countries, anti doping associations or agencies, have have such autonomy that they can they can kind of say push no back, to water. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that they just won't release samples like that. Yeah, it's strange. Really strange. Well, it sounds to me like it's probably going to go nowhere and we can check back in. We'll do the. Uh, the XC's top five for uh, January 21st, 2030. And then we'll be like, story number one, <laughs> Mo Farah's blood and urine samples with new technology reveal. Stay tuned. Um, all right, guys. Will Andrew be wearing his crew socks by then is the question. Hopefully, I'll be wearing knee highs by then. Socks. Yeah, they'll be all the way up to my thighs. And, and and we'll be in Alex's basement uh, doing this pod and uh, his uh, wife and 
2.5 children. 2.5. Or 1.5. What's the 1.9? What's the average? Yeah, I forget. <laughs> children will be upstairs sleeping. I wasn't sure where you were going with yeah. it. Oh, you know, that sounds kind of nice. You know, the basement, 1.5 children. 1.5 yeah. children. Eh, yeah. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I want a sub-220 marathon. Oh, there decade. you go. Stay yeah. focused. There you yeah. go. Priorities, man. Come on. Yeah. True happiness is in a a, a 219 marathon. Uh, lifetime best. All right, guys. Um, thanks very much. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the XC po- uh, podcast, of course, and wherever all wherever you listen to your podcasts and also the the xc newsletter man it's been a while since i've done this i'm like i'm 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 uh, a little dusty with this what's the spiel the, the xc.substack.com is where you can subscribe completely free uh we send out regular content alex has got a real good sunday long read piece teed up for this sunday so stay tuned for that uh it's it's I gave it an edit today. It's quite good. I, I, I enjoyed it. So, all right. Thanks very much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.